We're just going to play a quick promo before we open the Word of God, so if you can just watch the screen. Who enjoyed our conference a couple of months ago? It was an incredible time and of, of building the body of Christ, our church, and this is going to be another opportunity, and many of us will be familiar with David and Greta Peters, and um, we're really excited to be hosting them and have a conference um, that's going to be here. It's going to be a similar format. It's going to be on the Saturday, um, and then they're going to be, of course, ministering here on the Sunday again, but the, the key date is the 14th of October, and um, you need to register for this event. Um, please make sure you jump in quick. There is an early bird ticket as well, but it will only run for one week. Tell the person next to you, you've only got one week. You've got one week to register for the early bird price. And that is so because after a week, we will open it up to other churches and other people to get involved. And we want to make sure we can secure you guys a seat in here first. So um, make sure you register for that. There's a QR code. Registration has opened this morning. And I believe there's already many people that have registered for that. And so make, make sure you take use of this opportunity. And, and thank you for all those that are preparing this event and putting everything together for it. Who's ready for the Word of God? Just before I start, um, for all those that come and spoke to me about my shirt this morning, um, I did not steal this shirt. I actually own this shirt. Um, I found out this morning I actually own this shirt. So, It's interesting that sometimes in our journey, our relationship with God, the enemy will come and he'll tempt us with things that are in total opposition to God. Who's ever been in that position before? He comes and let's just say we're walking this way in our relationship with God and the enemy will come and he'll tempt us with something that is nowhere in the vicinity of this, and it is like literally turning in the opposite direction. And I'm sure if you're alive, if your heart is beating, you've been in that scenario where the enemy comes and he wants to get us off track. He wants us to discourage us. He wants to stop walking in the direction that God has for our lives. But oftentimes I find that the enemy will also come, and he will come and not only only tempt us to walk in opposition to God, but He will come and He will just tempt us to just walk a degree or two off the perfect plan of God over our lives. And sometimes at the time, it's hard to notice that because it's like, it actually takes a little bit of time to realize that, oh, hang on, we're not authentically walking in the perfect plan of God over our lives. And the enemy has to only take us off a couple of degrees before we realize and we look back and say, hey, I'm actually at a destination that I didn't intend to be at. Who's ever had those moments in their life before? Where it's like you don't realize at the time, but it's only when you stop, look back and you say, hang on, I've ended up in a place where I probably didn't really intend to. 
And even though all my intentions were good, I've ended up in a, a place that maybe isn't God's best for my life. Um, many years ago, I had the privilege of getting my first car. And my first car was a square box Toyota Corolla. And I'm sure there might be a few people here that remember those types of cars. It wasn't that long ago in the mid-80s. It was when the car was um, manufactured. And the best thing about my Toyota Corolla was that all my friends had a similar car. And why that was important was because we would go rallying in the state forest. And that was really good because it was a, it was a, it was a, a level playing field. And how many know that when you take a car, especially a four-cylinder from the bitumen to the road, uh, sorry, from the bitumen to the dirt, it grows about 300 horsepower. And, and it's a lot of fun. And so... We used to go out and we used to rally around in the state forest and it was awesome times. Sometimes we often did it on a Sunday afternoon and we had a lot of fun. And, but one thing I noticed about this Toyota Corolla was one thing I had to keep considering and had to keep inspecting was that after a while, the wheel alignment would go out. The wheel alignment would go out. And maybe that was because of the way I was driving. Maybe that was because the potholes that were on the road or the drifting around the corners or the kangaroo that I hit. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But the point is that periodically, this wheel alignment on this car would start to go out. And it would take a while for me to realize this because it was an older car. But every now and again, I would inspect the tires. And sometimes as I inspected the tires, I could see some unusual wear marks. And it would tell me that, hang on, there's an issue with the wheel alignment of this car. This morning, I feel like the Lord is, first of all, He's challenged me in recent times, but I believe it's a word for our church this morning, that He actually wants to do a re-wheel alignment on our hearts. And like I said earlier before, this is not something where it's like, hey, we're walking this way and then we're walking in total opposition to God. This is something where there's just a slight error in the wheel alignment, which if we left unattended, will actually take us off the road eventually. And I feel like the Lord, in His mercy and His grace, wants to realign us to what's important. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and this is what he says. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's interesting here that the Apostle Paul uses pictures and this imagery to explain just this passionate heart for God. That he's using this language which describes his emotions, his heart, his passion that says, hey, I'm, I'm striving forward, I'm pressing forward, I'm leaving the things behind to press forward to the goal. In verse 14, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. I want to spend a few moments, and if we can just, if you've got your Bibles, I want your eyes to hit verse 14. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. Usually when I've read this verse, I've put the goal and the prize as the same thing. Usually when I've read this passage or thought about this, I've come to the conclusion that the goal and the prize are the same thing. But here the Apostle Paul says, hey, there's actually a big difference between the goal and the prize. He says, I press towards the goal to win the prize. I press towards the goal in order to win the prize. And therefore we see that in this passage, the goal and the prize are quite different. Let me use a sports illustration to explain this, seeing as Carol started this talking about football last week. How many know that as the finals get closer and closer, um, I'm sure that'll be more of the case. Someone's, someone's, someone's in agreement. But how many know that in sport, in this game of soccer, in a game of soccer, the purpose of the game is actually to kick the ball into, past the goalie, and into the goal. Wouldn't it be crazy if the Matildas were there and there was a penalty shootout, and let's, let's say they made it to the, 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 the grand final, and let's say that the championship cup was over on the side, and all of a sudden they're having a, a, um, a penalty shootout to win the championship. Wouldn't it be crazy if one of the Matildas kicked the ball towards the cup and not the goal. This would be a crazy thought. Everyone would be thinking, what are you doing? The goal is, is to kick the ball past the goalie and into the goals. You imagine if Usain Bolt was running his 100-meter sprint 
And like he typically does, he's in front of the pack, doing it with ease. And imagine as he's coming up near the finish line, the goal, he just veered off and ran towards the podium where they give the medals. Is it the dais? Imagine if he did that. Before he had crossed the finish line, he just runs straight for the dais. Everyone in the grandstand, everyone watching would be saying, what is wrong with this guy? Doesn't he realize that we don't run towards the prize, we run towards the goal. And the goal is the finish line. And although when we use sports illustrations, it seems now perfectly clear, I think it's a bit harder to understand in the context of Christianity, of following Jesus, of our journey in Christ. Because sometimes we can get mixed up with what is the goal and what is the prize. And here the Apostle Paul clearly shows us what the goal is. And I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to realign us to what the goal is. Because wouldn't it be incredibly sad if after months, years, maybe a decade, maybe 20 years, we actually stopped and looked back and said, hang on, I'm actually nowhere near the goal. I've headed towards something else. And I haven't fully fulfilled the purpose of God over my life. Verse 8 of this passage says that, Paul says that, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He goes on to say that I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. Down in verse 10 it says, I want to know Christ. Everything in this passage talks about the goal is knowing Christ. This is the goal. Full stop, period, end of story. Our goal in life is to know Christ. That's what we're running towards. It's not, a, it's not meant to be merely an intellectual knowing, a theoretical not knowing, an impersonal knowing. The Apostle Paul talks about this knowing of Christ, meaning this intimacy, this relationship with God that's close, that's intimate, that's relational. And so for the rest of the moments this morning, when I refer to this knowing Christ, it is in that context. Relational, intimate, close, knowing his heart. So here we see that this goal that Paul is talking about is actually knowing Christ. Full stop, end of story, this is the goal in life, is to know Him. This morning I believe that the Lord is realigning our priorities, realigning our life to this very core fundamental principle of knowing Him. The crazy thing is, like our sports illustrations, is that 
If you hit the goal, you get the prize. As long as the Matildas just kick the goal, they don't have to worry about the prize. It's not like they win the soccer game and then they have to go argue and plead their case in court about why they should have the championship cup. The reality is if they hit the goal, they're going to get the prize. And here we see in this passage that the goal that Paul says is to know Christ. The crazy thing is that if we hit the goal, we win the prize. I'm not saying for one moment that we should be lazy. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, how's that helping my business? How's that helping my marriage? How does that help provide for my family? How does that help the ministry that God has called me to build? How does that help me all these accomplishments, all these responsibilities that I have? The point is that we do all these things from the foundation of knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the goal. Because if you hit the goal, you win the prize. So what could some prizes be? It could be provision. It could be like we've heard this morning that God just pours out His grace upon us, His blessing. The prize could be results. Seeing incredible results in the things we do. Success. A prize could be status and reputation. It could be relationships. It could be, the prize could be your dreams and desires being fulfilled. It could be the promises and prophetic words over your life. It could be the accomplishments. It could be all the things that go on your CV to show how good a person you are. This is the prize. And if you hit the goal, you win the prize. The interesting thing that in church is that unlike a sporting event, sometimes these things get blurred. And sometimes we start to think that, oh, hang on, maybe the, maybe the goal is the prize. And this is where the Lord in recent times has been challenging me. It's like, hang on, maybe the goal was this, but maybe my, my, my vision, my focus has shifted slightly to now I'm pursuing the prize and not actually the goal. Maybe you're here this morning and Knowing Christ in the simplicity, in, its, in the authentic nature, in everything that he's, that he's called us to do to be lovers of Him, maybe that has no longer become the goal. Maybe you've allowed these good things that maybe are only a degree or two off to actually become the goal in your life. And I feel the Lord wants to encourage us this morning to realign just like I had to do constantly with my car was realign a wheel alignment to make sure that knowing Christ is actually the primary thing once again it doesn't mean that we neglect things it doesn't mean that we don't intentionally seek to better ourselves and to give God to be good stewards of what he's given us but what it means is everything comes from that place, that foundation of knowing Him.
Other ways to say this would be everything coming out of a point of overflow. Or being rather than just doing. Being rather than just doing. Here the Apostle Paul clearly tells us that knowing Christ is our goal. And it's so easy for us because we get caught up in life, church, excitement, incredible events we're doing in the community, incredible new ministries that are starting. It's easy to get caught up in all that and actually start to think that, hang on, all these good things that are happening is actually the goal. They're not the goal, they're the prize. The goal is knowing Him and it will always be knowing Him. Maybe this morning you need a realignment, a new will alignment. Maybe this morning it's not like you've walked in here and you're walking in, in exact opposition to God. But maybe you've just allowed some of these things that are the prize to become the goal. Maybe there's just that fine-tuning, that will alignment that the Lord wants to do for us this morning. Because let's not be a church that in 20, a couple of decades' time actually looks back and says, hey, maybe we should fine-tune. Maybe we should look at where we're going. Because in 20 years' time, even a degree off, we're going to be so far from where we intended to be. Let's be people that actually come back. And I believe the Apostle Paul is telling us in this passage and the Holy Spirit today is that, hey, Knowing Him is the primary thing, is the primary goal, is to know Him. In John 15, once again, this is another incredible passage that uses similar language. Verse 7, it says, If you remain in me, this is Jesus speaking, and my words remain in, in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Isn't this an interesting verse? Jesus is not teasing. He's not throwing this out as a joke. He's actually saying, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done. What I think is fascinating here and that it shows the power of these two elements is one, remaining in him, knowing him, being intimate with him and his word living inside us. Those two elements have the power that it so shifts and changes our life that he is comfortable to say, now you can actually ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Because we're so closely aligned with the heart of the Father. That he would actually put this statement out there that says, hey, if you remain in me, if you remain knowing me, if you realign and come back, to primary goal is to know him. And this word lives and in us. He's actually saying, I am that confident that you can ask whatever you wish and it shall be done.
I think it's important that when we read this verse, oftentimes we criticize God about apparently what he's not doing when we ask. I think the emphasis should be about us looking about these two elements in our life and saying, hey, how much are we embodying? How much are we allowing them to be in our lives so that when we ask something, he can actually fulfill it and answer it? I love verse 9 here. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. We're going to spend a couple of minutes um, playing a couple of songs as we finish up this morning. And one of the ways that we know Him is being in His presence. And we've been doing that this morning and it's been incredible. But I want for five or so minutes this morning, for us just as, we're, as we listen to these, these songs, this song, maybe you want to come up for prayer, maybe you want to sit quietly, maybe you want to have someone to believe and pray with you, maybe you've got other needs that you want, we're going to open it up here in a moment. But as we listen to these songs, I want to invite you to take a moment where you stop and you actually go deeper in your relationship with Him. Because the next five or seven minutes are not meant to be all we do until next week. It's meant to be a taste of something that you do this afternoon. That you'll actually be living in a lifestyle of worship, of knowing Him. Let's not be people that just wait until we come on a Sunday to go, oh, that's right, isn't the presence beautiful? Isn't the worship great? Isn't it awesome to know Him? Isn't that so great? And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, it's next Sunday, we're here again, and we rave about, oh, it's so good to come into His presence. It's so good to, to enjoy this. The Apostle Paul here is talking about an, a lifestyle of knowing God. So this morning, I feel the Lord is asking us this question. Number one is, does there need to be a realignment in our lives? Like he's been asking me recently. Is there areas, just like my car, where the wheel alignment's gone slightly off and I maybe haven't even realized until weeks or months later, until there's some evidence that the alignment's wrong. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I've, I started off with the goal being knowing him, but all of a sudden there's been success, there's been great things happen that God has actually put in my life. And I can see now that they have become the goal. We're just going to come in the next five or seven minutes in a place of surrender. If you just want to sit quietly, if you want to come for prayer, the prayer team will be here ready to pray and with you, and we're going to do that now. Thank you.